Christ is risen. That wasn't very convincing. I think you should do it again. Christ is risen. If you don't know the words, it's He is risen indeed, which is another way of saying yes. Okay, let's do it. Christ is risen. So here we are, it's Easter, it's Resurrection Day. I want you to imagine that we're standing outside the empty tomb and in our minds we're looking back just a few days and we're looking back to the hill on which Jesus died. So we ask ourselves the question, what is this, this empty tomb, the He is risen, what has it got to do with that? What has Easter Day to do with those terrible events on Friday, the we call Good Friday? Here's the thing. The events of Easter Day, of resurrection, give us a window into Good Friday. Friday. We get to see with increasing clarity what Friday meant, what the crucifixion meant through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because the resurrection comes out of the crucifixion. When Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. He didn't mean I'm done for. He, means, he meant the victory of God has come about. It is done. And the outworking of that is the resurrection. So what was Good Friday all about? It's about an exposure. It's about an exposure of the world that we have created. The kind of world that we have created. This edifice of how to live life. Of what's important and what's not important. Of how we achieve what we want and we consider to be the best for us and for our world. This extraordinary edifice that we participate in and we contribute to. An edifice that's built on power. Not just the power of armies and the power of politics and the power of economics, but the power of intellect and influence of how we come to understand how the world is and therefore we can change it. This world of power, the ability to change. This world where we have pride in our moral virtues. We pat ourselves on the back about some things about us. And we talk about how we make progress in our morality. And we talk about how we assess what it means to live 
in a good way, a virtuous way, a morally acceptable way, a way that's to be celebrated even. And then there's religion. Religion. The cross, the crucifixion of Jesus is an exposure of the utter bankruptcy of the, of the world that we have created and all those things we build it on. Because what put Jesus to death on the cross was the best of us, not the worst of us. It was the intellectuals. It was the really smart people, not the baying mob that put Jesus to death. It was those who prided themselves on being the most erudite and the most literary. In fact, it wasn't even the Romans who put Jesus to death. If it hadn't been for the intellectuals in Jerusalem, amongst those ancient people of God, with all their privileges and all their learning, Pilate, the Roman governor, would have let Jesus go. And these were the moral custodians of life. They prided themselves on their virtuous life, on their ability to distinguish between what was good and what was bad, prided themselves on how they lived their lives, prided themselves on their ability to influence the nation for good, to make it morally firm. And these were the religious experts. They weren't pagan worshippers. They were people who were steeped in the knowledge of God and what He was like. And they were the experts, the theologians, the biblical scholars, They were the ones responsible for putting Jesus to death. What is the crucifixion? It is an exposure of the utter, utter blackness of the world that we've created and the world that we participated in. And what the crucifixion says is we are all on the wrong side of history. All of us. Because this is where it leads to. It's an exposure It's an exchange. In that reading that Michelle read to us, it says Christ died for our sins. He died for us. Jesus dies a slave's death. Crucifixion was designed for those people who were considered less than human. It was designed to humiliate as well as inflict maximum pain. This is a person who is crucified. This is a person who is not worth considering as human. They are subhuman. And Jesus dies representing every person who's ever been a victim of the kind of world that we've created. Every person who's ever experienced injustice or suffering or shame or abuse or violence. As he hangs there on the cross, he represents every single person. But he doesn't just die for the victims. 
He dies for the perpetrators as well. For those who inflict injustice and shame and violence and suffering and abuse and torture. He dies for the perpetrators. And every single one of us is a perpetrator as well as a victim. Every single one of us. It's really complex. Most of us want to look at our lives and think, well, they're reasonably good lives. I haven't done particularly bad things. I've never murdered anybody, for example. And so we see ourselves as in some way a different category from those who are really bad. But we're all perpetrators. And it's not just the individual acts that we've done or not done. It is that we are active participants, both willingly and unwillingly, in a system that is morally and spiritually corrupt. Do you, do you know in um, 2015, the UK taxpayers finally paid off the money that was paid as compensation to the slave owners for the loss of their slaves when slavery was abolished in the 19th century. Taking nearly 200 years. Every taxpayer since the 1830s in Britain has been paying off the money in today's terms, something like 17 billion pounds sterling to the slave owners who were deprived of their property. We're all perpetrators. We're all caught up in this. And Jesus dies for the victims. So if you've ever felt yourself to be a victim, well, Jesus represents you. And if you've ever recognized that you're a perpetrator, and that's all of us, then Jesus represents you as well. An exposure. He died in our place. And the cross gives us an insight into the deepest and most profound mystery of all, which is what is God like? The God we see displayed in the death of Jesus is a God who in Christ is willing to come and live this kind of life and experience the worst that we could throw at Him because He loves us. It's an insight into the love of God. If you want to know whether God loves you and how much He loves you, the answer is look at the cross. That's how much you matter. That's how much He cares. That's how much He loves you. The crucifixion is an exposure. The crucifixion does something. It is Jesus dying, representing us. 
and it's a revelation into the heart of God. He's that kind of God. So what's Easter about? What's the empty tomb? The empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus, gives us a glimpse of what the new era is that Christ's victory on the cross has won. You see, what's happened is that Jesus has changed history. He's condemned all of us and said, you're all on the wrong side of history, but this is bringing in a new era. And what does that new era look like? Well, you get a glimpse in the resurrection. So what does the resurrection tell us about what the new era is like? What do we glimpse in it? Well, it's about life and not death, isn't it? He rose. And He rose bodily. Our bodies matter. The future that has broken in through the death of Jesus and that we see in the resurrection is about human flourishing. It's about the end of death. It's about the end of decay. It's about the end of all those things that hold us back. It's gone. It's about joy in the place of despair. As those few disciples, mainly women, who hung around at the foot of the cross and looked up at Jesus, and as his disciples at a distance contemplated what had happened, it was despair. Jesus said, you will despair. But I will come again. And when I come again, you will experience joy, and that joy will never be taken away from you. The resurrection gives us a glimpse into this new era, which is an era of joy. No more tears. No more disappointments. No more pain. No more suffering. No more tragedies. It is about joy, not despair. It's a wonderful story. At that first Easter where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and she finds it empty and she wonders if someone has stolen the body of Jesus and so she cries. And then she hears a voice. And through her tears she doesn't see who it is. And then the person who she mistakes for the gardener says, Mary. And she turns around and she sees Jesus. And she is flooded with joy. The resurrection brings in life and abolishes death. The resurrection shows us that the victory that Jesus won on the cross brings a world of joy and not despair. And it shows us that it's a world of love. A world of love. Because the crucifixion is the demonstration of the greatest love of all. God's love for us. And the new era that Jesus has brought in through his death and we see in the resurrection is a future of love.
What Jesus achieved on the cross is demonstrated in the resurrection. It's the glimpse, it's the first breaking in of the new age. And that means it's possible for every single person who realizes they're on the wrong side of history to transfer to the right side of history. To a world of life rather than death, of joy rather than despair, and of love rather than hate. Which side of history are you on? Which side of history do you want to be on? The victory of Jesus means that anybody, anybody, can transfer from the wrong side of history to the right side of history. He said, what do you have to do? Well, if you mean what do you have to do to qualify to get from the wrong side of history to the right side of history, the answer is nothing. It's already been done. You couldn't do it anyway. Jesus has done it for you. But think of it like this. It's like a gift. Somebody offers you a gift and you may choose to refuse. And it's a little bit like that with the gift of entering this new age. It's a gift that's offered to us and we can say no. So what do you have to do? You have to say, I want the gift. <laughs> I want the gift. You have to say, yes, I want that. And so I'm willing to let go. <laughs> I'm willing to let go and receive the gift. And I do that because I'm willing to trust Jesus. That what he did on the cross does achieve what we see glimpsed in the resurrection. It does mean I can trust him that if I say yes, I will be transferred from the wrong to the right side of history. You just say yes. I want that. As I said on Friday, not to make a decision is to make a decision. So, which side of history are you on? Have you entered into the new age of resurrection? Or are you clinging on to the old? I'm going to make three suggestions to you. Three invitations. The first one is to continue the conversation. As Matt said, next week we're continuing this idea so come back next week, 8 o'clock, 9.30, 5.30. That's one thing you could do. Second thing you could do is say, I'd like to explore this further by signing up for the Alpha course. You've received some information about that, but I have some cards that are special. So does Matt. And they've got a place on the back for you to fill in your details and let us have them and you'll register for the course. So if you're interested in doing that, just say to me, Graham, could I have one of those alpha cards, please? 
I won't ask for your autobiography. Just say, I'd like a card. Or ask Matt. Third thing is I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray a prayer that you might want to echo in your hearts. Because you might want to say today, I want to say yes to Jesus. And yes to entering the new age. And yes to stepping from the age that I'm in to the new age of resurrection. So I'm going to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you achieved on the cross. Thank you for your victory. Thank you that there you represented me. Victim and perpetrator. And Lord Jesus, I want to say yes. I want to say yes to you. I want to be taken from where I am to this new era of resurrection that's broken in. To know what it is to have hope for life. To know what it is to have joy. To know what it is to experience your love. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, you know every single one of us here this morning and you know where we are. Some of us have been traveling with Jesus for a long time. And maybe, Father, we need encouragement. So I pray that you'll bring encouragement to followers of yours who may be struggling to remind them of the resurrection and the victory that you won in Jesus on the cross. And for some people here this morning who might want, however tentatively, to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Father, please would you hear this prayer. So if you'd like to, in, your, in the silence of your own minds and hearts, just say something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that when you died on the cross, you represented me. And, and Lord Jesus, thank you that because of what you did for me, I can know that everything is put right between me and, and God, me and you. That whatever I've been, whatever's happened in my life, whatever mess-ups I've made, however many people I have hurt, including myself, including you, that's dealt with. And Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to being part of this new age that you brought in, this age of resurrection. So I give my life to you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to sing and...
So if you'd like to stand, the band are going to come up and we're going to sing about the confidence that we have in Christ alone.